When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Even after receiving the best possible advice for retaining my job with the SCP Foundation, I still ended up getting fired. At my induction, Mr. Spittle had warned me. Working for the SCP Foundation, sometimes people get tempted to go beyond the scope of their job, he said. Whether it's going off track to save a damsel in distress, pressing a big red button to see what it does, or righteously chastising an evil being, it never ends well. So, stick to your mission briefing. You have it for a reason. But, like he said, sometimes people get tempted to go beyond the scope of their job. For me, it was on my eighth mission for the SCP Foundation when I was assigned to a research role that was supposed to be purely observational. Supposed to be. You will be entering SCP-4258 on a bi-daily basis over the next three months said Mr. Spittle, during which you are to document everything you see and hear inside. Don't instigate any interactions with the beings there, but do respond if they converse with you. He paused. Let me remind you, you are not to get involved in the affairs or pry into the workings of SCP-4258. This is a passive observation. Understood? Understood. I told him, dismissing his warning. I'd never had any problems with veering off task before. On route to my first observation, the case notes briefed me that SCP-4258 appeared as a typical 1950s American diner, but it acted as an interdimensional meeting place, admitting guests from across an unknown number of unknown worlds, making it a hub of alternate realities in our world, it appears in Fairfax, California, so that is where I was headed. Arriving there, I saw what looked like any old American diner from 50s films. From outside, looking in through the windows, it seemed empty. But stepping inside, as the bell on the door jingled and my shoe clicked on the chessboard tiled floor, the diner was bustling with alien creatures of various sizes and shapes all enjoying hot dogs, sodas, muffins, and such. Spread across the main wall, facing you as you enter, was an enormous neon sign. It had the diner's name and slogan in huge flashing red letters. It said, Freddy's Diner. Insert catchy diner slogan here. As the door closed behind me, my nose was filled with the sickly sweet smell of strawberry milkshakes mingled with the light saltiness of grease from the fryer. I could hear Elvis Presley crooning from the jukebox. Oh, I'm all shook up on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The diners were the only thing out of place. A crustacean-like humanoid sat on a bar stool at the bar, drinking coffee, leaning over a broadsheet newspaper. Two enormous golems were crammed into one of the seating booths, which ran against the wall. 
the ceiling's hanging lights bouncing off their foreheads as they laughed over a shared bowl of fries. A floating blob of sentient liquid thumped the side of the pinball machine in anger. Welcome to Freddy's Diner. I looked up and saw the man behind the bar welcoming me with outspread arms. He held a tablecloth in one hand, which he promptly swung over his shoulder. This was Freddy. He looked human and wore the classic red and white pinstriped shirt, a white apron, and one of those white paper hats that look a bit like an opened envelope. I stepped up to the bar and took a seat on one of the stools. Freddy slapped his hands down on the bar, smiling. Welcome to Freddy's Diner. Insert catchy diner slogan here. What can I get you? Um, just coffee, please, I said. And I think that slogan was just supposed to be used as a placeholder, by the way. Is that so? He said. Well, I guess that makes sense now. Human culture can be confounding at times. What would make a good slogan then? I don't know, maybe serving happiness? Perfect, he said, and waved his hand, transforming the neon sign into the new slogan. Freddy's Diner, serving happiness. And it's just a coffee? You sure? How about a slice of blueberry pie straight out of the oven? Why not, I said. He smiled. Coming right up. Then he walked out back. Looking around, I took a mental note of the interior. On the chrome tables stood red and yellow rocket ship bottles of ketchup and mustard, and the walls were adorned with kitsch Americana wall decor. There were colorful metal posters stuck on the tiled walls, advertising hot dogs, apple pie, and coffee, with novelty clocks whose clock faces advertised the same and intermittent neon signs flashing phrases of encouragement, such as, enjoy your meal, best burgers, and love is coffee. At that moment, three young kids came running up to the bar to grab the menu and discuss which milkshake they'd each get. Mint chocolate, mint chocolate. No, honeycomb crunch. You crazy, banoffee every time. The crustacean man, who'd been quietly reading the broadsheet, sighed, and closed his newspaper. He slid his coffee along the bar towards me and then moved up next to me, away from the kids. At the same time, Freddy laid my coffee and blueberry pie on the bar. It smelled amazing, deep and rich. I held out a $10 bill, but Freddy waved it away. Your money's no good here, friend. So how do we pay? I asked. Just enjoy your meal, he said. Really? That's it? But how can you sustain this? I said, gesturing to the bustling diner. Oh, we take a cut, he said. The diner skims off a bit of the excess emotional energy from its patrons as they enjoy this place. That emotional energy is what powers the diner. He smiled and walked over to the excitable kids at the bar. As I watched him walk that way, my eyes crossed with the crustacean man sitting next to me. Looks like he'll be able to skim a healthy cut from those kids, I said. The crustacean man slowly turned to look at the kids, then back at me, before saying, Don't believe everything Freddy tells you. This place is a business like any other. He slurped his coffee, then slowly offered me his shelled hand. 
It seemed he could only move at a creakingly slow pace. Name's Schlur, he said. I took his cold, hard hand. Real estate, he added, handing me his card. Name's John. I'm an accountant. This was my assigned cover story. A clever conversation killer. Nobody's ever asked an accountant about their job. With sprinkles! Screamed one of the kids sitting along from Schlur. Schlur shook his head and looked back down to his newspaper. Freddy then walked back past us and crouched down at the back shelves of the bar to rummage through the jars of marshmallows and candies, looking for the sprinkles. Something tapped my shoulder. It was Schlur's claw. He nodded and pointed to the electric fan propped on the bar next to me. Turn that around this way, would you? He asked. I did as he said, but as I turned the fan around to face him, it blew at the back of Freddy's head, blowing off his white paper hat. As the hat detached from his head, Freddy turned into what seemed like a three foot tall fetus of a cat, bald and wet, with big blue eyes and no tail. Simultaneously, the music stopped and the diner around us turned into a silver room with rounded edges, like the interior of a spaceship. Freddy quickly snatched up the paper hat in his paws and put it back on his head. The diner returned, as did Freddy to his human form. The whole thing lasted a split second. Sorry about that, folks, Freddy called out, standing to smile at his patrons. Just a little glitch. Normal service is now resumed. He grabbed the jar of sprinkles and went back to making the milkshakes, whistling a tune as if nothing had happened. My hand was still atop the fan, which I'd now turned around to Schlur, who raised his pink whisker eyebrows incredulously, as if to suggest Freddy was up to something. But then he said nothing and continued reading his newspaper. I wondered then, had Schlur intended to make me blow off Freddy's hat? There was a lot to consider. I finished my blueberry pie, the best I'd ever had, and left Freddy's diner. Come back soon, he called as I went out the door. A couple of days later, I saw Schlur again at the bar with his coffee and newspaper. I'd sat before the neon serving happiness sign and ordered a hamburger and fries, which was then my current favorite at Freddy's. The food was always incredible, yet I noticed that Schlur never ate a thing. I'd seen other crustaceans there gobbling down hot dogs and pies, but Schlur never ate a bite. A protest, perhaps? I inquired. If you don't mind me asking, you never eat, so why do you come here? I've not many places to go, said Schlur. My spaceship malfunctioned and I ended up stranded far from my home planet. My ship is beyond repair. I'm stuck here for now. What brought you so far from home? I asked as my burger arrived. I was surveying planets for real estate development opportunities. Luckily, on the planet on which I was stranded, I found a doorway to this diner. Killing time here, I spoke with patrons and discovered hundreds of viable locations for real estate. This information is worth a fortune to my company. Ironically, my only way of getting back to them 
is by hitching a ride when their next surveyor comes through. Of course. Then he'll claim the bounty for my findings. It's a cruel corporate world. Shame you can't get back. Right. I'd be rich beyond my wildest dreams. Business is never easy. You mentioned before that this place was just a business like any other. What did you mean? He closed his newspaper and crossed his legs with the scraping sound of shell on shell. This isn't business, he said. It does what every business does. It preys on people. It skims off the excess emotions, right? Hmm. No. It does a lot more than that. I spied on Freddy, <laughs> laughing away with his customers on the other side of the diner. What do you mean? I asked Schlur as I took a huge bite of my deliciously greasy burger. The emotions aren't enough to keep this place running. They might supply the power, but where do you think your food comes from? I looked at the half-eaten burger in my hand and stopped chewing. At that moment, the three excited kids came rushing up to the bar for their ritual milkshake. Instinctively, I gulped, swallowing my food. I can't lie, it tasted heavenly. Seeing my enjoyment, Schlur raised his pink whisker eyebrows again, then returned to his newspaper, shaking his head with his characteristic slowness. Freddy was quick to intercept the kids at the bar, where they were engaged in their usual frantic discussion of whipped cream, toffee sauce, and sprinkles. Have I got a special treat for you today, Freddy said, clapping his hands together to grab their attention. Out back, I've been working on some new milkshake recipes that I think you guys are gonna love. Would you like to be my special milkshake tasters today? The kids sat upright, heads unconsciously nodding before their mouths could answer. Yes! Freddy gestured to the kitchen door, and the kids jumped off their bar stools so fast Freddy had to catch one of them from hitting the floor. He followed them into the kitchen. I sat there staring at my half-eaten burger, questioning its potential origin, yet incessantly tempted by its juicy meat, tangy salsa, and crunchy toasted bun. Couldn't they just be ordering in the kitchen supplies, like a normal diner? I said, turning to Schlur. He didn't look up from his newspaper. With what money? He said. He was right. No money was taken here. How could I have been so naive to have not seen this contradiction until now? I looked at the kitchen door until my food went cold and waited for the kids to return. They never did. I left the diner. The next day, as I sat at the bar in my usual spot before the neon serving happiness sign, Freddy clicked his fingers and pointed at me saying, hamburger and fries? No, uh, no thanks, I said. Just coffee today, please. Sure thing, he said, grabbing the coffee pot. As he poured into my cup, I felt the urge to pry. Haven't seen those kids who were mad about the milkshakes today. They're usually here this time, aren't they? Freddy smiled, continuing to pour. On holiday, he said. May I ask you a question? I said, 
with Mr. Spittle's warning ringing in my ears. This is a passive investigation. Just observe, don't get involved. You can ask me anything, said Freddy with a smile. I persevered. How about the other day, when your hat fell off? What was that? Ha, thought you'd ask about that. This hat, he tapped his hat, creates the illusion of Freddy's Diner. It's what allows me to appear to my patrons in the form which most pleases them. You saw my real form, but now, to you, I appear human, right? I nodded. This helps me to create a comfortable experience here for everyone. It also translates everything into your native language and gives me executive control of the diner's functions. The interior design, the kitchen, the skimming of emotional energy, so I can make this place as enjoyable as possible. But what is this place? What was it that we saw when the illusion dropped? It's my ship, he said. But in its true form, it can elicit much positive emotion from people. So, I transformed it into Freddy's. But what's your purpose for doing all this? I asked. To make you happy, he beamed, then promptly strode off towards the kitchen calling back to me as he went. Gotta turn off the oven. Be right back in a minute to answer all of your questions. He didn't come back. I finished my coffee, then laughed. The next time I saw Schlur was about a week later. By now, the glowing neon serving happiness sign seemed like a twisted joke. Freddy stood before us, polishing a glass. I looked at Schlur. Still waiting for your company's next surveyor to come through? Yeah, said Schlur. Shame you have to lose your commission for finding those new locations. But I guess it's a necessary evil to get home. Yep, he repeated. Once Freddy moved away, I whispered to him. Hey, I've not seen those three kids all week. Not since Freddy took them into the kitchen. Again, he raised his pink whisker eyebrows, but said nothing. At that moment, a young human couple came skipping into the diner holding hands. Hey, called the girl. Do you have apple pie? We're dying for apple pie, added the boy. Freddy smiled. Well, it just so happens that I've got a batch of experimental apple pies just crisping up in the oven as we speak. Would you like to be my special tasters and tell me what you think of them? The couple snapped their heads around to look at one another eyes wide in disbelief at their luck. Yes! They both yelled, jumping on the spot. Yes, yes! Follow me, said Freddy, as he led them through the kitchen doors. Someone needs to do something, I said. Schlur slowly turned to me and said, you know, without his hat, he's powerless. You've seen him. I remembered Freddy's true form soft and squishy, like an unborn kitten, and then looked at Schlur, armored in interlocking plates of shell. Couldn't you just take it by force? I asked. I'm too slow, he said, creakily bringing his coffee up to his mouth. But you could swipe it. He wouldn't expect a thing. Mr. Spittle's words echoed in my ears, passive observation. But then, at that very moment, who knew what was happening to that lovely young couple back there in the kitchen? 
Who knew what happened to those three little kids? I thought about all the burgers I'd eaten at Freddy's and had become filled with anger and disgust. How do we do this? I said to Schlur. Just ring the bell, he said. Then, when Freddy comes, you take his hat and he'll be helpless. Then what? I asked. Then whatever you want, he said. Run away, kill him, or take him prisoner. That's up to you. Whichever way, without his hat, his whole operation comes to a halt. Then it would be for the best, wouldn't it? I asked. For the best, confirmed Schlur. What if things go wrong? I said. Then we leave. I can protect you. I looked at the kitchen door, then to the service bell that sat on the bar, then to Schlur. He raised his pink whisker eyebrows. I rang the bell. Freddy came back through the kitchen door, careful to not open it too widely so nobody could see inside. As he approached me saying, what can I get you? I snatched the hat. Instantly, he popped back into his true form and stood there just coming up to the height of my knees. The diner popped back into the silvery smooth spaceship interior and the sounds and smells of the jukebox and the food all vanished. Cried Freddy, now speaking in his alien tongue. He jumped up and down, trying to reach for the hat in my hand. Smuggler, smuggler. Then I felt the hat snatched from my hand. I turned to see Schlur holding it, raising it up, and slowly lowering it over his head. Smuggler first, yelled Freddy, turning and running to the door that had led to the kitchen. He opened it and yelled inside, waving the young couple to come out. Then Freddy turned to the other diners and frantically waved them all towards the exit. In a panic, the patrons all jumped up and started running for the exit. But as the young couple came out of the kitchen and the patrons all ran for the exit, Schlur placed the hat firmly atop his head and everyone in the room fell to their knees on the smooth, silvery floor. I too dropped to my knees, feeling all the energy sucked out of me. Schlur laughed. He was draining all of us. Freddy's spaceship began to vibrate and hum with the energy it had taken from us. With the hat now atop a head, Freddy's words became once again translated into English. You're absorbing too much, he cried at Schlur. You're going to blow the fuse. Quiet, said Schlur. I need every drop to get home. Then he looked at me and said, nothing personal, it's just business. At that moment, the three milkshake mad kids came running through the diner's entrance, screaming with excitement. They really had been on holiday. Freddy turned to warn them off, but it was too late. As if running into quicksand, they slowed and lolled and sank down to their knees on the smooth, silvery floor. But as they dropped, the hat atop Schlur's head burst into a blinding, white-hot light and set on fire. Their excitement had blown the fuse. The room flickered between the silvery spaceship and the diner, as if glitching. You little hyperactive brats, Schlur yelled then slapped the hat off his head. Slowly, I felt the energy returning to me, and I saw the patrons starting to stand up and flee. The three kids got up and ran. The young couple scrambled across the diner and out the door. Freddy, Schlur, and I remained. Standing up, Freddy looked to me with sorrow in his big blue eyes, as if to say, why? His business was ruined. 
Sparks shot from the terminals in the walls, and the place quaked with energy. Schlur crept towards us, muttering incomprehensibly, snapping his claws. I turned and ran, straight out through the diner doors and into the chest of Mr. Spittle. I bounced off him and fell onto my butt, looking up at him. What did I tell you? He said. Stick to your mission briefing. Don't go beyond the scope of your job. But what did you go and do? Come with me. He put his hand on my shoulder. And that was my last ever job with the SCP Foundation. Worse than my termination from the Foundation, I now have to live with the fact that I'd brought ruin to Freddy and his diner. I could always find a new job, but Freddy's place was one of a kind, a place of magic, which I destroyed. I often wonder what happened to Freddy, whether he survived and managed to make another diner somewhere. In the end, it turned out he was only ever serving happiness. SCP-4258 is a retro-American diner from the 50s called Freddy's, which acts as a hub of multiple parallel realities, inside of which beings from alternate worlds can meet to enjoy the finest fast food and most delicious desserts in the multiverse.